You're listening to Gift Biz Unwrapped, guest episode number 398. I just did this for my daughter. Look at her face. How cool. Like just sharing with my friends and it went viral. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and thanks for joining me here today. It's pretty serendipitous that our podcast scheduling rolled out as it did, because right here, as you're listening to this live, Little Rebels dolls are being rolled out in some of the biggest retailers in the country. What began as an idea a few short years ago will now be available on the stores of Macy's and Walmart for this season's holiday shopping. Speaking of the holidays, if you haven't given thought yet to gifts for your support team or biz bestie, do check out our merch shop. There you'll find business-associated items that bring beauty and inspiration to a workday and peace and tranquility to personal time. Whether it's coffee in a colorful mug, capturing thoughts in a special journal, or sipping wine in one of our reflective-themed insulated mugs, you'll find the perfect gift over at giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash shop. While there, pick up something for yourself, too. You deserve it. Now, back to Little Rebels. Today you're going to hear the details behind the story of these dolls. You'll find out about the initial vision, MJ's first steps into the creation process, and all that happened to get to where she is today. Particularly impressive is the strategic thought MJ put into the look of the dolls and how she committed big time to a large retailer, literally inventing a program on the fly while keeping her fingers crossed that it could actually be done. Settle in as MJ shares everything behind this fascinating story. Today we're going to be talking to Marjorie Spittlenick, also known as MJ, of Little Rebels. Marjorie is a Latin American entrepreneur and founder of Little Rebels with more than 15 years of experience in advertising and communications. Inspired by her daughter, MJ decided to go after her dreams of empowering women and kids about great women that shaped the world. Little Rebels is an educational platform created to empower and inspire girls. Playfully and interactively, it teaches stories mixing plushies, media, and technology. MJ, welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Thank you, Sue. I'm honored to be here and so excited for this conversation. I am too, because I think your cause is so special and so needed, and I'm excited to hear how it all developed. But first, I have one thing that we do on every single show to get to know you a little bit better in a creative way. Tell me about a motivational candle that would be all you by color and a quote. Give us a little more insight into you by way of this candle. I would say the quote, it's probably inspired by the fear of being average. That'll be the quote. Not quite sure who said it, I have to be honest. And the color, it's going to be like (laughs) similar to a unicorn, all mixed up colors with shiny thingies all around. (laughs) Like it's going to be like a very bright candle, like with all the sprinkles and all shiny. Well, it has to be because the unicorn look goes with your quote, right? Not being average. (laughs) That's the idea, to have something completely different from what you usually see. Yeah. We often talk about the fact that people really want to be seen. And I think that goes along with your quote. You know, not being average, everyone's special, and you want to be seen as being unique. And so the fear of being average should inspire all of us. We're all creators. We all have this skill, which not everybody does. And so I like the quote, 
particularly because it pushes us into doing what we naturally do, but we're always so scared and we kind of put a shield on. Should I, should I not? Am I going to be accepted? Am I not? And so let's all have that fear of being average. We don't want it. Exactly. And I think it's super powerful quote also because, and there's nothing wrong about being average. Like there are people that are comfortable on their zone and that's okay for them. I just feel like I cannot live this word the same way it was when I came. I have the obligation to actually improve it and make it better somehow. So that's why I keep pushing myself whenever I'm coming down my comfort zone. I just remember the quote and it's like, you're being average, like step outside the comfort zone and keep walking. Okay. No average here. My guess is the majority of the people who are listening to this show are going to fall in the same boat. They don't want to be average either. Exactly. Wonderful. All right. Well, give me a little bit of the backstory about how Little Rebel started. Were you doing something else before this? I think you were from your intro. So share a little bit about all that. Yeah. So my background is actually on PR and communications. I spent like over 20 years working as an advertiser. I had my advertising agency. I work a lot with several local brands. And still nowadays, sometimes I do like some consultancy for uh, local brands. And was this your own business? It sounds like this was also your own business. Yeah. Like I've worked for others, but then finally I always end up working by myself. Like I guess I have a different pace than the rest of them. And back in 2014, I have a daughter. I'm a single mom. She was around six by that time. And she came to me with a drawing and she asked me to transform it into something real. So I ended up doing a plush that looked just like her drawing. And I posted on Facebook, like, hey, I just did this for my daughter. Look at her face. How cool. Like just sharing with my friends. And it went viral. And before I knew it, I had people actually asking me to do the plushes for their kids as well. So before I knew it, I had a business. So I'm from Latin America. I'm from Uruguay. So my business name was Te Dibujo. When you translate it, it means I will draw you. Mm. So people send me their kids' drawings and I will return plushes that look just like their drawings. So I had that endeavor for six years. Got selected by President Obama to be a year and a half in the U.S. being trained by higher executives, Richard Branson among them, which was a life-changing experience. And then came back, kept working on Teibujo until, well, I always say that my business grow with my daughter. So my daughter is now 15. Of course, she doesn't need like to draw and have a plush made out of her. So when the pandemic hit, she was diagnosed with borderline disorder. So she was struggling a lot to go to classes physically. So we started homeschooling. And that's when I noticed, like I started going through her textbooks with her and everybody was talking to her about great men in history from Albert Einstein to Steve Jobs to all these amazing men that we already know out there. And nobody was talking to her about women. So I started asking, sweetie, do you know who Marie Curie was, who Malala Yousafzai is, and so on. And she kept saying no. So I got worried and I said, wait, like, how does she not know about these women? Like, they were literally trailblazers changing the world that we're living in today. Some of them actually, like, Marie Curie is the responsible that we can actually detect and cure cancer. So it's important for her to know who she was. So I entered on Google and I started looking for different resources for me to teach her as a Mm -hmm. mom. And there were a bunch of books coming out. By the time this was 2019, I bought all the books available out there, but there was nothing playful, nothing huggable. And we learned better Mm -hmm. through play. Mm -hmm. Plus, I love it at heart, so I love playing around. And I said, hey, maybe what I need to do is get all the expertise that I've developed over the years with my previous endeavor and do these plushes from these amazing women in history. And I can teach kids through the plushes. It's a scalable business. It's easier to do. There's several women out there like I'm never going to run out of new models because there's as much models as amazing women around the world. And that's pretty much how everything got started. That was 2019. I went to the Dallas Toy Fair, which is a toy show, like very important in the US with the first four models that I had, the four samples. This one is one of them, Mary Jackson. She was with me then. And then I got to pitch to all these amazing giants in the industry, the Hasbros, the Mattel, the Walmarts, like all these big names. And they all loved the concept and they gave me amazing feedback among them. Is there a book that comes with it? Like how do kids know when they see it in the shelves, that this was Mary Jackson, the first African-American engineer at NASA. 
And that's when I realized, oh, yeah, I need to add something mm -hmm. into it. But I didn't want to edit books because there's a bunch of them out there already. So I wanted to do something different that will like separate us from others doing the same thing. And that's when it hits me, like kids are all day long on their cell phones. So why don't we use their time on the cell phones to teach them something in a fun way? And that's when I developed the app. So our app, when you scan the blushes faces, they take you to, like you get access to a premium feature per se. So you have videos, eBooks, trivia, augmented reality, like all these educational resources telling there's stories of these women so kids can actually learn while playing in their cell phone. That is so amazing because you're taking all of these different elements and merging them together for the similar cause, right? But now I'm going to take you all the way back again. So now we've heard the whole story of where you're at to this point today, but I want to dive deeper into how actually this all happened. So you started with, you identified the fact that famous and significant women weren't being talked about, and certainly their stories weren't being shared to our youth of the day. And you saw that with your daughter right away. Exactly. And I'm repeating a little bit of your story, but so you went online, you saw that it wasn't there, you got the materials that you could and saw that there was a better way you felt in terms of the information being received by young girls. So let's go back. How did you decide and where did you start in a little bit more detail then of who was the first character that you focused on? Let's go with that first. And that's funny. Everybody asked me that question and they actually all came out together. Like the first four originals, they were born at the same time. It's not like I had one first character. What I do have is I used to have Frida Kahlo. She used to be like the leader of the rebel band, if you like, somehow, whenever we draw them, like the original drawings, Frida was always in front of them with like her arms crossed and like, I'm leading the gang into this revolution somehow. But then a funny thing happened. I was negotiating with Frida Kahlo Foundation about the rights. And then we were going back and forth with it. And then they had a dispute with Frida's family. And when that all paused the negotiations for a couple of months, and that's when it hit me, like Frida is not a little rebel. Because that's when I got really picky about what being a little rebels mean. So Frida Kahlo is an amazing artist for some people will love her and they will love her art and all the story behind her about her being sick and being able to actually overcome the sickness and become a famous painter and so on. But she's not a rebel. Like her husband used to beat her every single time. He was like super violent. She was a domestic violence victim. And that's exactly the opposite of what I'm trying to teach our girls. Like I'm trying mm -hmm. to empower them and teach them. Don't stay in a situation where you're getting beaten up or somebody's not respecting you or not treating you well. So for me, it was something positive that we paused the negotiations about the licensing because I had the opportunity to actually go deeper in her story and notice like Frida is not a little rebel. And then that's when I noticed, okay, so I need to have like standards of what do you need to have to become a little rebel apart from being a famous woman? It's not just that you're famous. You have to be groundbreaker at some point, either discover something or overcome some challenges and obstacles or being pioneer at something like being the first woman that and not taking no's, like not letting the no's that everybody's going to put out there for us, especially when we're women, we hear a lot of no's, not letting those no's bring you down. So taking it up to a whole different level, because obviously Frida is very well known for her art. As a character as well, Frida, when you look at her, she's like super cute. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you see her and she's very well recognized also. Yes. But this is interesting because along the way, as you were developing who your characters were going to be and what your brand stood for, you didn't necessarily know right from the beginning. It came to you as you kept researching and looking, kind of evolved yes. to what you wanted it to be, which is, I think, an important thing for people to know that you don't always know exactly how this is going to wind up when you're getting started. It has to be a road that you're on. Did you at any point when you were looking at Frida say like, oh my gosh, I'm so far in already. Like, do I justify her being part of it? Or what was your thinking when you made that decision? I guess to be clear, 
Like, I had no idea what I was doing when I got into this business. That's like the ugly truth. Good, because most of us don't. <laughs> so if you're listening here and you're not sure you know what you're doing, it's okay. Keep going. It's all right. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> so I really had no clue what I was doing. I never been to a design school or toy school or anything. So I was just actually followed by my passion. And I'm 40 now. And I didn't discover my real passion up until I was 37 or 38, something like that. So if you're struggling to find your passion, that's okay. Like <laughs> you still have time. But once I did, that was empowering girls and women to become whatever they want to become. That's when it hit me. Now, and, and I guess that's where all this Frida thing came into light. I never doubted for a second, like, I need to justify having Frida because I'm too far away on it. It was just like, if anybody asks, I would tell mm -hmm. the truth. The easy answer is going to be, we're pausing because of licensing rights, IP rights, so we cannot keep going. So we don't have to give all these long explanations to our customers, but those that actually want to know the reason why, they will hear me in interviews. I'm always saying the same thing. Like for me, it's a blessing that we didn't went through with the IP for Frida because it made me realize what I want for my brand, not only because of Frida, but like for the entire Little Rebels brand, what I want them to represent each and single yeah. one of them. And as an example, we're launching two new dolls. One is Dr. Gladys B.O.S., the inventor of the GPS. And the other one, I see your face. Nobody knew no. a GPS was invented by a woman. <laughs> that usually happens. Then Gitanjali Rao, she's a 16-year-old scientist-to-be. She invented this thing that detects lead in water. She's amazing. At 16. Oh, my God. I know, right? It's insane. So let's close the book on Frida, but she played a really significant role in your business, even though she's not going to be a character as part of the brand. Of course. Yeah. I want to go back still and stay as you were getting everything started. So you decided you're going to start with four dolls, right? Yeah. And how did you go about getting these dolls into production? Because it's no longer a one-off doll like you were doing for the earlier business, right? So. Yeah. Talk me through a little bit of that process. How did you do that? That was insane, actually. So I came up with the idea and I called, I cannot sew and Wait. I cannot draw. Those are two things that I cannot do. You can't sew, you can't draw, but you have created plush dolls that are really detailed. All right, tell me, spill it. <laughs> first thing that you need to learn as an entrepreneur is you don't need to know everything you just need to make sure you surround yourself with people that actually do know more than you on those topics and work with them like that's rule number one excellent advice so i call a friend of mine that he's an amazing designer and illustrator and i pitched the idea and i was like can you like help me figure it out how this dolls will look like so he sent me around 10 different styles on the dolls. And I was like, I need them to look kids. Like their faces needs to be what they used to look like when they were kids. Because I want kids to not only look out to them, but also relate to them. And see that they were kids at some point. Apart from an amazing woman. Very smart. And I need them to look like Disney princesses. Because once they're in the shelf next to Elsa and Anna from Frozen, nobody's going to know. Mary Curie is Mary Curie at first glance, but they will like them, the doll itself, because it looks like a Disney princess. Yeah, so I'm stopping you right here because this is really significant, I think, in that you were thinking past the product, but how it would be positioned in the market, who the customer is and who else a purchase of your dolls would be up against. How do you come to that is that just by nature of your advertising and promotion experience that you started thinking this way i guess at some point it's a mix of both like advertising and marketing is my dna so i guess i see it everywhere i go and i cannot stop thinking about that even if i'm not no longer in the industry it's like in the back of my head so mm -hmm. i'm always whenever i go grocery shopping i'm always looking how are they displaying the products for example and which my daughter gets really annoyed with. <laughs> 
something that I cannot overcome. But I think that some point, it's also the fact that I'm a mom. So I do know what I'm expect. I'm a buyer. I'm the one that is going to buy those dolls for my daughter. So I was trying to think as a mom, like when I have them, I would probably want her to have a Marie Curie instead of an Elsa. But I'm also know that when we are the, in the store, she will go for the Elsa, not the Marie Curie, because it's the one that she knows. But if Marie Curie looks just as cute as Elsa, I can convince her to take the Marie Curie and then learn who she was. Right. So everyone who's listening to this, I want you to rewind this, you know, just press the 30 second back a few times and listen to this again. And then think about it in relation to your product. If you're out at craft shows, you know, what can you be doing? I call this your unique special power, but what can you be doing with your product, its positioning, its look to be number one, different from others, but equally acceptable if we want to go with MJ's strategy or something else unique that would convince them to buy yours versus somebody else's. Just a really, really good tip, MJ. And I want you guys all to think about that in relation to your product. All right. So you're talking to this gentleman. He comes back with mock-ups for you. What happens next? We're back to the story. Well, we will be back to the story right after a short break to hear from our sponsor. Yes, it's possible. Increase your sales without adding a single customer. How, you ask? By offering personalization with your products. Wrap a cake box with a ribbon saying, Happy 30th birthday, Annie. Or add a special message and date to wedding or party favors for an extra meaningful touch. Where else can you get customization with a creatively spelled name or find packaging that includes a saying whose meaning is known to a select two? Not only are customers willing to pay for these special touches, they'll tell their friends and word will spread about your company and products. You can create personalized ribbons and labels in seconds. Make just one or thousands without waiting weeks or having to spend money to order yards and yards. Print words in any language or font. Add logos, images, even photos. Perfect for branding or adding ingredient and flavor labels too. For more information, go to theribbonprintcompany.com. So we finally got into a style that I really like. And again, the most important part for me is always the face of the doll. If we don't like have the face well, we're not going to release that doll. So there's a lot of back and forth there. And then once I had the designs, I literally just went online, Alibaba Express, looking for factories. I got lucky enough, I guess. I found a factory that works with Disney, Unilever, like all these big brands. So for me, it was kind of a reassurance without knowing anything. I was like, well, if they work with these big brands, they might be good. And that's how I chose the factory, actually. I never flew to China or anything. I did everything online. By the way, we were pre-pandemic when we started designing this, but when we launched this, well, we get there. Did the factories actually make the prototypes for you then? Yeah. So what I did is I requested a sample for them. So I sent the designs, the face front, back front, side, yeah, the side of the doll. So they have like three different layouts for how the doll will look like. Off of an illustration, not off of a made prototype. Exactly. Okay. No, an illustration. And I sent it to the factory and then they started sending pictures. They started trying out like this might be an option. This might be another option. And with the pictures, what I did was I started writing over the picture. Like I want the eye like this big. And then this distance between the eye and the other eye should be shorter. So like details to get it where I wanted to get. And then we... We spent like six months back and forth easily, like trying to get the right features to look like the way I wanted to. And you were doing all four at one time? No, I started with okay. Frida. Okay. And then they sent me the final picture for Frida. And once they did that, I said, oh, okay, this is cool. So yeah, let's go ahead and do it. The funny thing here, and I'm going to add a parenthesis into the development of the product itself, it's how we launch it. Actually, Little Rebels was just an idea that I was mumbling in my head. And I was doing a master's degree at Columbia University by that time. And a local newspaper called me to like write an article on entrepreneurs that have failed as if I had failed at the time. Well, that's motivating. 
<laughs> I know, right? That was awful. And I was like, you know what? I did not fail. I'm actually doing a master's degree at Columbia thanks to my endeavor. And FYI, off the record, I'm working on this idea. So I sent the picture of that Frida Kahlo that the factory sent me. Like I didn't even have the sample with me. I just literally had one photo of the Frida Kahlo. And I sent it to the journalist. And I was like, I'm working on this idea. It's not ready yet, but just FYI, I'm still like, I'm still an entrepreneur. Thank you very much. And I remember I was entering school and then my phone rang. And when I saw it was like the State Department, because I'm an alumna from the State Department after the Obama program, asking if they could tweet about my new endeavor, if I would have enough inventory. And I was like, what are they talking about? Like I do one drawing, one plush. I don't have inventory. And then I saw and the original article became like Uruguayan Entrepreneur launches a new line of dolls inspired by iconic women. And that was something that didn't exist and people was trying to buy it out. So I had to begin. And that's how that really helped me <laughs> get into this. You know, most people are afraid to share their ideas because they're afraid they're going to get copied. Here's another issue if you share the idea. You're going to be pushed forward faster than you might have thought you would do. Yeah. <laughs> Which isn't so bad, actually. Sharing the idea and being copied, like I always say the same thing. Do you really think you're the only person in the entire world that had that idea? Like the difference is the execution, not the idea. Exactly. We both can have the same idea. and It's the people who do the work, right? Exactly. All right. So you get the dolls to look the way you want them to. Go and look at MJ's website, wearelittlerebels.com, so that you can see what they look like. I'm walking with you in your story. You still don't have a doll in your hands from the factory, right? No, the doll came, like the first sample came around a year after I started working with the idea. And then once I have the sample, the four of them came together. Like once I approved Frida, then they started working on Mary Curie, Malala and Mary Jackson. And by the time I got them in my hands, I got the four samples together. Tell me about the day that the box arrived and you were going to open it up. It was insane. I was actually like, they were, of course, they were retained by customs. So I had to go to customs and do the declaration and everything, <laughs> of course. And it was just the four dolls. But I remember I was crying my eye out. Like the guy at customs were like, what's happening to you? And I was like, you have no idea how long it took me to have these dolls in my hand. Like it was a huge achievement. Oh my gosh. And did they all meet with your expectations? Yes, they were actually even better than I expected. Like I got really surprised. Okay. And how did you decide on the materials for their clothing and such? Because you couldn't feel anything if you're interacting with a factory. No, but I did knew I wanted them to be 100% made of mm -hmm. plush because I want them soft. And then the feeling it's going to be like whatever they put inside of them needed to be like fluffy as well and smoothy and they needed to be light. Like I wanted them to be around 11 inches tall and then as light as possible, thinking about younger kids to be comfortable to walk around with them right. and hug them. So for me, the things that were important was they have to be extra soft, extra light and extra huggable. Those were like the features that I needed mm -hmm. to have them. And so I scouted for fabric here in Uruguay, actually. And I said, like, hey, I want all the dolls made with this material. This is how they look like. But actually, they're plush. It's way better than the one that we have here. So by the time the dolls came, I was amazed with the quality of the plush. They are, like, extremely soft. Love it. I love that what you got was even better than your expectations. So that's perfect. And a really good point about you went back and forth with some materials. Because I'm trying to figure out how... Physically, if you have a material, how were you describing it to them? And you were actually sending it to them so they had picture. a picture and then you were sending the material to them. No, I didn't send the material to them. I just said, I want this kind of plush. I said the name and I sent pictures. I never sent the physical material to China. All right, got it. No, that'll be clever, but I never did it. All right, so you've got your dolls. You have a big smile on your face. You're wiping away the tears of happiness. <laughs> now what happens? So now, now I need to produce them and I need money, right? And I'm a solopreneur, no co-founders, no investors. How am I going to do this? Like how am I going to take this market? You had a really huge bank account, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> have I mentioned I'm a single mom? Like, no, trust me, I don't have a huge bank account. <laughs> but you didn't let this stop you. What'd you do? 
I created a Kickstarter campaign to raise the money to produce the first $2,000, which were the ones that I was going to use to test the market and make sure that, like, apart from my brilliant idea, there was somebody out there that will really enjoy the dolls. Funny thing, I launched the campaign March 8, 2020. Of course, the pandemic was declared March 13, 2020. So I ran the entire campaign during the first month of pandemic when everybody was concerned about toilet paper and pizza and nobody was actually thinking about buying dolls on Kickstarter. So that was a challenge. It was my very first crowdfunding campaign. I had, of course, no idea what I was doing, but still in the last, I think it was 48 hours of the campaign, I was able to raise $4,000, which were what I was missing to be able to achieve like the goal of the campaign and get the money to produce those dolls. So that's how I started. That was March, 2020. I got the money, sent it to the factory. And then September, 2020, the dolls arrived finally here, like the first ship and got here. And I started shipping my backers. And the dolls were all of the same quality of the initial prototype that you had. Yes. Okay, so there were no quality issues. No. I was actually very lucky, and I think it is because I chose the right factory to work with, and they are really professional, but that was pure luck. Like, I had no idea what I was doing, I have to be honest. Because once they got here, like, I never did a quality control check in China or anything at that time. But when they got here, I had not one single dot that was wrong. Each one of them was in a perfect quality, just as the sample was initially. So I was very happy and lucky. Yeah. You know, a lot of people talk about nightmares with factories in China. I also produce a product through a factory, and I have found them to be so responsive. If there are quality issues, they make good on the issue. It, yes. Not every factory in China is going to give you low quality product or that you're going to encounter problems. Not at all. You're another person who's saying the same things. You know, there's kind of that general idea out there that that's the case and it isn't necessarily the case. You have to be careful and choose right, but it isn't necessarily the case. All right. So got your dolls, you're sending them then to the people who invested in the Kickstarter because that was part of the agreement, the Kickstarter program, right? Yeah, there was around 237 backers, something like that, that had raised the money. So those were the first shipments. And then I had to find local toy stores that want to buy actually the dolls and then start selling. I was lucky because the dolls came in September, then holidays came in. So that Christmas, I sold a lot of dolls. And by September 2021, we sold out all of our dolls. At what point did you make the decision that you were going to wholesale the product instead of direct-to-consumer? I think it was a strategy right from the beginning. Like, I never thought about only direct-to-consumer versus wholesale. I always knew I was going to go for both. Because the idea is to make sure the dolls get in the hand of as many kids as possible. And I know I cannot do that alone by myself like I'm literally the one doing everything I'm the founder I'm the PR I'm the salesperson I'm the design team I'm like I'm wearing all the hats and that's amazing because I learn a lot and I get to build the foundations of my business the way I would like to but please don't do that like get a team as soon as possible (laughs) I'm driving myself crazy here yeah but if you have to do it that way at least you know all the different tasks, and then you can fill in people as you're able to, right? Yeah, that's the idea, actually, to have. I think that's one of the hugest advantages of doing this by myself. I get to learn from every position. So by the time I'm recruiting and creating a team, I know exactly what to look for in the person that I'm going to hire and and help them understand the culture of Little Rebels that I'm trying to establish. But yeah, like wholesale was always an option because, again, I want to reach as many kids as possible and only B2C, it's hard to do, especially if you don't have any money to invest in marketing and advertising. Everything we've done so far is 100% organic. All right. So fabulous holiday season in terms of sales. I want to get to a bunch of other things in the story. So I'm going to jump a little bit. But at what point did you go to the conference, the toy conference? In 2019, that was before I launched the dolls. I had the samples only. It was there that they suggested or questioned about having an accompanying book, right? And so was that happening at the same time or talk to us a little bit about the book component? 
So the app actually came a month after I came back from the fair. So the fair was October 2019. I launched the Kickstarter on March 2020. By then, the app already existed. Like I came back from the fair and we developed the app right away to make sure that once we launch it on Kickstarter, we'll have everything working. Okay, stop. Screeching halt. You said this so easily. <laughs> oh, well, we just developed the app. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How do you develop an app without giving away any secrets? No, no, there's not that much secret behind there. So funny thing is I ran into a friend at Dallas Toy Fair. He's a great developer. He'd done a bunch of things for Disney and all these big companies. And I was like, hey, you know what? I need to add contact into the dolls and I don't want to bring a book. Would you help me build an app? And he was like, you know what? We can actually do this pretty fast if we work on like, simple features and if you work really really hard like we are gonna need you to sit down in your computer came up with all the story behind it because we have the videos as well so that's something that we develop in between like we have animated videos free on youtube for everybody to learn their stories which are on the app as well where do you get the content for all this i created you created the, the stories but what about the video I hired animators to actually do the animated video. So if you go, you'll see it's two to three minutes video animated for each one of the dolls. Because you already had the dolls images from the illustrator. And so you gave those to the animator. And they started working in different storytellings as per my scripts. And they came up with the videos, which is pretty cool. And I know it's insane when you look back. But at the time it was like, yeah, well, we'll do videos. Yeah, we'll do videos. And then, like within a month, we had the four videos, which was insane as well, because animation. Well, it's who you know, right? It's who you know. Again, you need to surround yourself with experts. Yeah. And this is to the point of you're not hiring people to do some of the things you know how to do. You did hire people to do the things that you weren't sure how to do or didn't even know maybe were even possible. So you spend your money wisely is the way to say that. (laughs) And when you say that, it just makes me remember there's a funny story that just happened to us when you said like hire people that you know don't know if they are able to do it so not that long ago around a month ago i had a conversation with the ceo of a very important company that i really wanted them to acquire little rebels like for licensing and he was asking me so what other products do you have like do you have a board game and by that time i only had the dolls and i was saying yes to every single thing that he was asking do you have books and i was yeah of course i have books and i hang up and the first thing i did was i developed a book which did not existed of course and then he was like do you have a board game and i was like yes of course we have the mvp of a board game and he was like oh walk me through the game and on the spot on the call I invented the game. And then when I hang up the phone, I called my friend from the app development because, of course, the game has augmented reality into it. So it interacts just like as our dolls do. The board game does as well. So it's kind of Candyland with augmented reality, something like that. And I called him and I was like, okay, so I just have this call and I just pitched this idea for the CEO. Please tell me this is doable because I just said that we have it done already and that he's going to see the game in a week at Dallas. Because we went back to Dallas like three weeks ago and I met with the CEO with a board game, which is right there. Like we literally created a board game in a week. So it's who you know and you need to trust I'm speechless. (laughs) I'm speechless. That was insane. That was risky. That was really risky. I don't think like the CEO actually knows this. MJ, I think maybe you're a rebel. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I am a rebel. I know that. Oh, gosh. Okay. My designer, the first design my designer did was my personal cards, and it's me as a rebel. But I don't feel comfortable becoming a rebel. Like, I will keep fighting. You're the head rebel behind the business. Exactly. (laughs) All right. So, gosh, so we're right in the middle of the business in progress of its huge growth because I just feel it coming for you. What are you doing to prepare right now for that to happen? You're talking to big companies, so your production is going to have to get totally ramped up, promotion, all of that. Like, what does this look like in your business right now as we're speaking? So, we're launching on Macy's next month, which is crazy. Do you have a date? 
I don't have the date yet. I will let you know as soon as I have it. But no, I'm actually waiting on them to let me know. I will be on 19 stores. So being the lookout on our social media, we'll let you know as soon as we launch. Okay. And let me just say to everybody listening, based on my airing schedule, that might be right now when you're listening. Oh, yeah. It's going to be on stores for Christmas, that's for sure, unless they sold out before. So middle to end of November is what you're saying. Exactly. Mid to end of November. Exactly. All right. So how are you getting ready for this? Well, I'm buying a lot of wine. (laughs) I'll come over. I'll help you with that. (laughs) So what happened was I had to get some loans in the bank to be able to produce the new inventory because we sold out and we covered like some of the costs from the first year of business, but we were still pre-revenue by the time. And I needed to like Macy's order came along with the Michigan Science Museum and a few other museums also, but they needed the dolls and I didn't have the money to produce them. So I had to take on a few bank loans, which I'm not happy about it, but we we need to do what we need to do. I produced 3,000 more dolls, which are just getting to the States as we speak, like they just landed LA last week. So I have to hire a warehouse in the US. Like nowadays, Everything's changing. Like I used to have the dolls here with me in Uruguay at my home, like my office is in my house. So I had all my office filled with boxes and just like as every entrepreneur starts. And now we actually have a warehouse and people in charge of the warehouse and then people in charge of shipping distribution and making sure that every single customer, either B2C customers or wholesale customers get their dolls in their hands. We're launching on Jane.com as well on October 27. We're launching on walmart.com as well. So, and we are wrapping up our Amazon account. So there's going to be several point of sales for the dolls that didn't exist before. That's exciting and scary at the same time. Cause like part of me is completely sure that once people get to know the rebels, cause again, they don't know what we are doing because I was never able to actually get the money to communicate it. So being here with you and getting the word spread out is really helpful because no money. So we need to get the word there. But I know that once they find out we exist, they're going to sell out. And my biggest fear is to sell out and don't have money and time to like redo the inventory as fast as possible to make sure that we never run out of rebels. So yeah, I'm at a point in which I'm looking for investors or partnerships or that can actually help me grow the business. I love being myself. I really need a team. Like I cannot keep going like this. At some point, I'm going to get really sick. Like it's amazing when you're studying, but As you grow, you need to have your team growing with you. And so right now, part of that strategy is we're partnering with another amazing plush brand that is called Shore Buddies. They're from San Diego. They do plushes with recycled bottles from the ocean. So by next year, Little Rebels will be 100% done with recycled plastic bottles as well. So we're trying to help the environment on that end. And not only like gender equality, but we're also aiming to have the lowest impact possible on the environment. So will those go also through the China factory or will they be made in the States? Yes, we're going to change factories, though, because like we're going to start working with shore bodies and they have their own factories and they know like they have eight years of experience doing this and their plush quality is amazing, even though it's made out of recycled plastic, like you never figured that's going to be like that. But yeah, there will come from China. Mm hmm. Okay. So you're already thinking forward, thinking the growth and how you're going to manage that. And yes, it's scary. And I condone the wine drinking, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I think sometimes it just has to happen. It's all good. What are you doing in terms of social media or promoting of the business? So social media, it's me behind our Instagram account. And what I'm seeing is that like, I'm really bad at TikTok. I would love to use TikTok. I think it's an amazing tool and it could bring me a lot of Uh visibility, but I'm so bad at it. So (laughs) TikTok is not there yet. I do have our Instagram and Facebook pages. And what's happening is that the Latin, I have two accounts, like one for Latin America and one for the US and the rest of the world. The Latin American one does really well. The other one, not that well, because I think I struggle when I try to communicate, reaching like higher audiences. Whenever I post something in the Latin American one, I have several views and comments and shares and everything. And when I do that, 
or the North America. It doesn't happen the same. I don't know why. So trying to get followers and engagement and sharing on our social media, which is basically Instagram for now. And then just as I'm here with you, like sharing the story behind Little Rebels and why we started this and hoping someday somebody like some really big famous person will hear the story, will fall in love with it and we will want to share it. There you go. Well, you got to be up there for that to happen, right? I know, right? I love actually to have Sarah Blakely as a mentor and as a little rebel. I've been trying to get into her for the past three years with no luck, but she will come to me eventually. For everyone who's listening, the handle is We Are Little Rebels. Because the idea behind this is to have everyone join us as a community. That's why it's We Are Little Rebels, because we are all rebels. And empowering little girls to follow their dreams and, if they have to, be a rebel also. Exactly. Okay, well, you've shared with us what's happening in the future. As we start circling to the end, are there any things or advice that you've learned up to this point that you could share with us for people who are starting out with their own products and and on their journey? What do you wish you would have known earlier? Well, I have several. I'll take several. (laughs) Whatever you want to share, we'll take. I'll do it as quick as possible. So first thing is being an entrepreneur, it's not like everybody thinks that you're just going to be lying down on the beach with your computer on your laptop and life is good and everything's going to be great. Not reality. (laughs) You're going to work more hours. You're going to probably be more stressed. You're going to struggle with money even more than if you had like a nine to five job. But the rewards of it are going to be so great that like you're not going to care about it but it's not going to be easy it's going to be a roller coaster of emotions you're going to wake up happy with an email and then another email will hit you and you're going to get depressed so your day it's going to be a roller coaster of emotion every single day two surround yourself with people that knows more than you as soon as possible like If you cannot pay them, which was my case, if you cannot have a team like every day next to you, engage them with what you're doing and ask them for help with the promise that maybe in the future you can actually hire them eventually. And the most important thing of all is know your why. Like if you don't know why you're doing what you're doing and if your why is I want to make more money, don't do it. Like you're not going to make more money right away by becoming an entrepreneur and the make more money, it's not what's going to take you off the bed in the middle of the night if somebody calls you with an issue with your company. Like you need to feel the passion behind why you're doing it and go for it. That's the only thing that is going to keep you going when times gets hard. And trust me, they will like more than you would like to. And last but not least, take good care of your mental health. Like, I feel like there's something that we usually don't talk about it. I got really depressed when I got back from Dallas Toy Fair for a bunch of situations that I lived there. And I spent three months in a couch without being able to actually waking up or walking around except for cooking for my daughter. That was the only thing that actually took me off the sofa. And it took me forever to go back to real life. Like I had panic attacks and stuff like that. And that's burnout right there. So please, let's take the stigma of mental health and depression off the table and take care of your health like right from the beginning. Do pauses. There's kind of like an admiration for people that work without stopping and the the green and the just keep going, keep going, keep going. That's not true. Like people need the rest. Go for a walk, go for a hike. I don't know, like go surfing, go do something that will help your mind be at ease. Read a book or meditate, but Mm -hmm. like take care of your mental health. It is so important. I agree with you. And you got to this point because you just kept pushing yourself and pushing yourself and doing more and finally got you to the breaking point, it sounds like. I hope so. But you came through. Yeah, well, you know, it's here. <laughs> and now you know better, right? MJ, you're not going to do that again, <laughs> right? No, exactly. It's good, actually. Like, I'm glad I passed that because now I can see the red flags before falling into it again. But if you're not paying attention, it's just going to rip you off right away. And we need you to take care of yourself because your mission with Little Rebels is so special, you know, and it's going to help so many little girls. I mean, there's so much good in it. I love product businesses with such a purpose. 
you know, they just make me, I'm getting chills here thinking about it. It's so wonderful. <laughs> and you're set up for such a great future, albeit how are you going to handle however popular it becomes? You know, how is that all going to work? Right. Okay. Have a glass of wine right now. <laughs> <laughs> you're freaking me out. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I'll probably drink a little bit more wine than I used to, but uh, <laughs> no, I'm happy. Like, I'm just really looking forward to the moment I can say, okay, you know what? My mission is accomplished. Like, Little Rebels is all over the world. Kids are learning. Kids are feeling empowered. And if I'm able to actually get one little girl to grow up and become something that somebody told her she wasn't going to be able to do it because she was a girl, then my goal is done. Like, that's the entire reason why Little Rebels exists. Right. Well, I think there's going to be more than just one girl, MJ. There are going to be so. thousands and if not millions. I really hope so. It's an honor to help get your story out there, to let people know about Thanks. Little Rebels and to hear the backstory and catch you right at this time. I feel like you're right on the cusp of something new, like the door is right in front of you. It's about to be opened. And I am so excited for you and your future and also for all the little girls who are out there about to hear the messages. So thank you so much. So I got the chills. <laughs> <laughs> We're sharing chills back and forth. Again, such a pleasure to talk with you today. Thank you again for being on the show. Same here, Sue. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure being here. There are so many significant messages in MJ's Little Rebel story. She had many of the challenges you're probably now facing. Remember when she said she had no sewing or drawing skills? No experience working with factories overseas? And no way of financing large production runs? Yet she did indeed accomplish each and every one of these hurdles. Your goal may not be to get on the shelves of Macy's, but take the determination you've seen demonstrated through MJ's story to make your dream happen. Let no obstacle stop you. It is possible. If you're enjoying the podcast and would like to show support, a rating and review is always fabulous because it helps get the show seen by more makers. It's a great way to pay it forward. And there's another way where you can get something tangible in return for your support too. Visit my merch shop for a wide variety of inspirational items like mugs, journals, water bottles, and more featuring logos, images, and quotes to inspire you throughout your day. Makes a great gift, too. And we've just added some new products for the season to the shop. Turnaround is quick, and the quality is top-notch. Nothing but the best for you. <laughs> Take a look at all the options at giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash shop. All proceeds from these purchases helps go to offset the cost of producing the show. And now, be safe and well, and I'll see you again next time on the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. Got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week, to get reaction from other people, and just for fun because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making. My favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze. Today, 